take your Bibles tonight and turn with me, if you would, to the book of Acts, chapter number with verse number 19. Acts 14, verse number 19. You know, it's a miracle that uh, Kimberly's singing because there was not too long ago she had no voice to be able to sing uh, with her uh, shingles had attacked her voice and was not able to sing, and God has been restoring that. Um, I just praise the Lord for that. Acts chapter 14, verse number 19, look there if you would. And there came thither certain of the Jews from Antioch and Iconium, who persuaded the people, and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing that he had been dead. Albeit as the disciples stood round about him, he rose up and came into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. Keep your put a little marker there if you would. And go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse number one, it says, It is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. Whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. Such an one was caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth, how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words which is not lawful for a man to utter. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight, once again, that we're able to open thy word. And Lord, that you are faithful to us. And Lord, you're there for us all the time. Lord, when we cry out to you, we know there's a God who hears our prayers. A God who understands. A God who cares for us like no one else. Lord, how wonderful it is to know that you are our God. We love you, Lord, tonight. And Lord, as we think about this idea that the best is yet to come, and Lord, that we're looking forward to seeing you, just to worship you, to sit at your feet and to listen to you speak. Lord, I pray that you would speak and encourage our hearts tonight. We give you all the praise, the honor, and glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This morning we were looking at the idea of the best is yet to come, and we've talked about the fact that one day we'll see the Lord face to face. Job said, you know, he says, I know that my Redeemer liveth, and I'll see him in the last day. I'm going to behold him in the Old Testament. We know that the Bible says Jesus is going to come with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And uh, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them to meet, uh, meet him in the clouds, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. We're going to see the Lord. When we get to heaven, we're going to see our God, and we're going to see our Lord. We're going to have a new body. And this morning, as we were looking at the, this idea, the best is yet to come, we've got a home awaiting us. We've got a home awaiting us in heaven. And we talked about this morning that that home is, 
a place called the New Jerusalem, Mount Zion. And here in Acts, as we were looking here just a few moments ago, Paul was stoned at Lystra, and he was left for dead. He was preaching the gospel. They didn't like it. And so they took him out, and they stoned him, and they left him for the dead. The disciples were all around him. And we come into 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, and the apostle Paul writes in a kind of a little different way than he does normally. And as you look at this portion of Scripture, he says in verse 2, he says, I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago. You say, well, who is that man he's talking about? He's talking about himself. I knew about 14 years had passed at this time. He says, I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago, whether in the body or out of the body. I can't tell. In other words, when he was stoned, and the Bible says, you know, they left him for dead. They thought he was dead. I think he was dead. And God took him, as he talks about here, as he goes on to say, um, I cannot tell, God knoweth, such an one was caught up into a third heaven. And I knew a man, I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth, how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words which is not lawful for a man to utter. You know, the Scriptures had not been yet completed. God spoke to people uh, through angels. God spoke to, you know, we have Gabriel talking to, to Joseph, and, and he, he spoke to Mary. And uh, we have God the Father speaking out of heaven audibly. Um, Jesus Christ spoke. He was the Word made flesh. God used visions um, and we were talking about angels. Remember when, uh, when uh, Peter was asleep in prison, he was going to be killed the next day, and he was asleep between two guards, and God sent an angel in Acts chapter 12, and uh, he, had to sm he smote him on the side and said, hey, Peter, it's time to get up. He's got people that are chained to him. The chains fell off. And he's like, wow, what's going on here? And he put on your shoes. It's time to go. So he put on his shoes, and, and he started walking. As he did, uh, the gates opened up, and then the iron gate that opened to the city opened up. This first automatic door opened up. And he walked out. He said, wow, hey, it's not just a vision. It's the real deal. You know, God spoke uh, through angels. But sometimes God spoke through visions. God showed people things until the scripture was completed. And now we don't have that type of thing anymore. The, we have the revelation has been completed. Revelation chapter 22, verse 18 says, we're not to add to nor subtract from this word. It is complete. We don't have new revelations. This has been completed, the truth. Some Bible scholars believe that Paul died and was taken to heaven. And as we see in verse number two of this portion, it says of the apostle Paul, he says, such an one was caught up into the third heaven. Now the Jews, some of the Jews believed in seven heavens. But what we see here is we, we find this idea that it's referring here, it refers to three heavens. And uh, the third heaven. The first heaven is, this, as I said this morning, was the atmosphere where the birds fly. Go with me to Genesis chapter 1. This, if you go back to the creation of the earth and the worlds and heavens and so forth, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 6, remember the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep in verse number 2. Verse 3, it says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. This is before the sun, moon, stars, and all that. 
God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. So there was a firmament, that, and he's going to tell you what it is. And God made the firmament and divided the waters uh, which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. So we have, you had waters above and below, and God says, hey, there's a firmament that came up, and we have this, uh, this area here, as he calls that firmament, he calls that what? Heaven. If you go over a little bit further into verse, uh, verse number 20, notice what it says. And it says, And God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly and the moving creatures that hath life, and the fowl that they may fly above the earth in the open, what? Firmament of heaven. So you say, well, pastor, where, what is this first heaven? Well, the first heaven is the firmament, this, this place we call atmosphere where the birds fly. That's the first heaven. But there was a second heaven that's referred to here in this portion, and we find it in verse number 14. And it says, and God said, let there be lights in the firmament of heaven to divide the the day from the night and let there be uh, signs for seasons and for stars and years and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and it was so and God made two great lights the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night he made the stars also and God set them in the firmament of the heaven to uh, to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness and God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the fourth day. So you say, well, what's the second heaven? Second heaven is a stellar heaven where the stars are. First heaven is, yeah, the first heaven is from the earth to the atmosphere area. Second is where the stars are. And the third heaven, as we see here, is the place where God lives. It's the place where God lives. It's referred to in this portion back in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. It's referred to as paradise. That word paradise means a garden or a pleasure ground. Heaven is referred to as a pleasure place. Barnes in his commentary said it denotes in, a general or in general a garden of pleasure. In the New Testament it is applied to the abodes of, of the blessed after death, the dwelling place of God and of happy spirits or to heaven as a place of blessedness. Heaven is a place of blessedness. This paradise that he's talking about, this third heaven, this place where the Lord is, is a special place. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 8, we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. You know what? When you die, you know, I know there's always sorrow when you, when you lose someone, family member or friend, loved one but folks can I tell you something for them they go from this place to a blessed place a place of pleasure a place of blessedness look at with me to philippians chapter 1 verse 23 philippians chapter 1 and verse 23 peter or excuse me paul is in prison in this portion of scripture and he's talked about the fact that that uh you know, some people have been preaching out of contention and some out of, out of love, knowing that he was set for the defense of, of the gospel. 
And then he talks about the fact that he was, according to his earnest expectation of my hope in verse 20, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now so Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Folks, when we die, we gain. Somebody said it's like taking off this, this coat and putting on our new coat, our new coat of life, that new life, that immortal life. He says, but I, if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. You know, as we live in, the, in, in this life, we serve God, we, we win people to Christ. This is the fruit of our labor. Seeing people come to know Jesus Christ, uh, doing the work of God and the fruit that comes by, uh, by living for Christ. He says, look at verse number 22. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor, yet what I shall choose I want not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is what? Far better. Then he says, nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Man, he says, I want to go to heaven. I want to go and be with Jesus. It's far better than this old world. And he says, but you know what? It's needful for me to be here and be with you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Here the Apostle Paul, he says, you know what? There's fruit down here. There's some fruit that goes on here. He says, but I'll tell you right now, if I had a druthers, this is what Paul is saying, I'd rather go home. I'd rather go home. I don't know about you today. I hope that, that as you think about the Lord Jesus Christ, that you have a desire to go and to depart to be with the Lord. You know what? There's no purgatory mentioned in the Bible anywhere. The Bible says, as is appointed a man once to die, and after this the judgment, Hebrews 9.27. When a person who's lost without Jesus Christ, they die and they go to a place called hell. But for the believer, for the believer, we leave this place to go to that place that our Lord has been preparing for us. That place to be with him forever. How wonderful that is. The saying that at, at death gets to go to be with the Lord. One might ask, but, but where is the Lord? Look at Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verse number 21. Matthew chapter 7. It clears up some questions. People say, well, is he on a planet someplace? <laughs> no. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, consider what it says here. Jesus said, Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. There's a lot of people that use the name of the Lord. They use the name of Jesus. And, they, and people say, well, just because they use the name of Jesus or so you use the name of the Lord, they must be going to heaven. No, no, that's not true. Jesus is telling you right here. He says, Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into heaven. Notice. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in what? Heaven. heaven. Where is the Lord? He's in heaven. See, folks, it's not just enough just to say, oh, I know Jesus. You know, people have that such a flippant term. Uh, you know, oh, I know Jesus. Really? Well, if you know Jesus, then your life is different. Jesus will make a difference. Jesus says, uh, Paul said in Philippians 1.6, he that hath begun a good work in you will perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, 
He's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. When we get saved, we have a new desire. We have a new uh, want to. Uh, the Spirit of God comes to live inside us. His Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And now I want to live for Jesus. I want to go His direction. You know, folks, that's why it's so important to be in the house of God and to hear the preaching of the Word of God and the teaching of the Word of God so that you might know what God wants and what God expects. You say, well, Pastor, I can just stay at home and read my Bible. Yes, you can. But can I tell you something? The Bible says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You cannot do what God commands for you to do and not be under the preaching of the Word of God. Ah, preacher, I know. I'm glad you said that. So that's the reason why I stay at home and I, I listen to uh, Charles Stanley and I listen to uh, uh, all these other different guys that are out there and I listen to all that. That's all fine and dandy and sometimes you can't get out of the home. And some people are listening to us to live stream right now. And, and we're, we are, I think we're blessed to be able to get the word of God out. But may I share with you, it is commanded for his people to be in the house of God. It is a, not an option, it's a command. Therefore, if any man, you know, second, uh, excuse me, Hebrews 10, 25, forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more so as you see the day approaching. You know what, it, there, there's encouragement in being in the house of God. You know what, you encourage me by being here tonight. But you know what, you encourage each other. You know, when you hear the testimonies of what God has done, having no more uh, migraines, hey, that's a blessing. I'll tell you what. Brother Randy said, yeah, give me that. Tell me how that happened. You know what? That's a blessing. It might be an encouragement to somebody else. Um, hearing about the faithfulness of God can encourage you. You say, well, you know, folks, there's something about it. Uh, you know, the bottom line issue, God knows we need this fellowship together to, to be pulled together and to enjoy together. And so this idea of doing, applying the word of God, that's what he says. Not just naming the name of God, but that he says um, here in this, in, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Heaven, the Lord is in heaven. Look with me to another portion of scripture. Look at Luke chapter 11 and verse 2. Luke 11 and verse number 2. And he saith unto them, when ye pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as, uh, done as in heaven, so in earth. I submit to you that to be asking from the body is to be present with the Lord, and the Lord is in heaven. The Lord is in heaven. Look at Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ in Hebrews chapter 1. Verse number one, it says, God, who at sundry or various times and in diverse manners spake in time past by the fathers, uh, unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed the heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, talking about Jesus, who being the brightness of his glory, Jesus was the brightness of the glory of God and the expressed image of his person. And upholding all things by the word of his power, when he hath by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. So where is Jesus right now? In heaven, on the right hand of the majesty on high. Uh, praise the Lord. So to be absent from this body is to be present from the Lord. So where is 
heaven. We talked about it. You know, the Lord's in heaven. So where is heaven? Well, it's up and not down. Okay? Um, look at Matthew, or excuse me, look at uh, Mark chapter 16. Say, Pastor, why are you just putting this down? Because, you know, people have all sorts of weird things. And the Word of God gives us indication, if we, uh, truth, and tells us the principles. Mark chapter 16, verse number 19. And by the way, if you had one of those uh, versions as we were talking about this morning, uh, they would say, you know, from verses 12 down through the end of the chapter, it's, it's really not in there. So just kind of, you know, just kind of throw that out. But look at what this verse says. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. I, you say, well, I'd say that's pretty important doctrine right there. It talks about heaven and where Jesus is right now. He's, he was taken up into heaven. Look at Acts chapter 1 and verse number 11. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 11. Acts chapter 1, as Jesus Christ is meeting with his disciples before he ascends up into heaven. Acts chapter 1, and begin with verse number 9. And when he had, had uh, spoken, talking of Jesus, had spoken these words... While they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went, which direction? Up. He went up. Behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up, up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. So where heaven is what? Tells you something pretty important. It's what? Up. So heaven is up. Our home is up. Our heaven, our home is not down. Our home is up. Um, notice something else that's important. So how far up is up? Okay. Curtis Hudson uh, quotes an interesting verse. Go with me to Isaiah chapter 14. Isaiah chapter 14. In Isaiah chapter number 14 and verse number 13, Curtis Hudson's an old-time preacher, who, uh, preacher and he was uh, the one who was in, uh, editor for the Sword of the Lord, a paper that went out and, and is still going out as far as I know. But Isaiah chapter 14 and uh, verse number 13, the Sword, Sword of the Lord was started with John R. Rice and, and Curtis Hudson took over uh, that, that paper afterwards. But in this portion of Scripture, we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12. And it's talking about the fall of Lucifer, or Satan. It says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. Now, some Bible scholars, and I believe this to be true, stars of God refers to angels. But... Curtis Hudson makes an interesting statement. He takes it to mean the stars, the literal stars. Satan says, I'm going to be above the stars of heaven. Um, and he goes on to say, um, I will exalt my throne above the stars of, of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. Keep that in the back of your mind as well. Notice what, what uh, we find. Curtis Hudson says this. He says, 
he says, I am told that the farthest star man has been able to locate through his most powerful telescopes is 500 million light years away. A light year travels uh, a little more than 186,000 miles per second. That means that if you could go 186,000 miles per second, it would take you 500 million years to reach the last star that man has been able to locate. And heaven is somewhere out there beyond that highest star in the sides of the north. See, heaven's way out there. You know, people trying to look through a telescope, well, I'm going to find heaven. Well, it's way out there on the side. And notice, it's not only... And as I read for you that portion of, of Scripture, Satan said, I'm going to exalt my throne above the stars of God. I'm going to uh, sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. Where is heaven? It's in the north. It's in the north. How do you know? Well, go to Psalm 48. Psalm 48. Say, so, well, can we really know where heaven is? Yes, we can. The general direction, anyway. Look at Psalm 48, verse 1. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. In the city of our God. Remember we talked about that this morning? The city of our God. He's not talking about Jerusalem down here. He's talking about the new Jerusalem. In the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness, beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth, is Mount Zion. And we read that this morning, was talking about that in Hebrews. Talking about Zion, the city of God. Is Mount Zion in the sides of the what? North, the city of the great king. He's not talking about King David. He's talking about God. Is Mount Zion, the city of God, in the sides of the north? Interesting verse. Look at Psalm 75. Psalm 75 and verse number 6. See if you've, if you've ever caught this before as you've read through this. Maybe you've read through the book. Of, how many have read through the book of Psalms? Okay. Consider this, Psalm 75 and verse number 6. Psalm 75 and verse number 6. It says, For promotion cometh neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. What's being, what's being left out here? North. But God is the judge. He putteth down one and he setteth up another. He's talking about promotion. Promotion in this world comes, doesn't come from the east. It doesn't come from the west. It doesn't come from the south. It comes from the north, the place where God is. It comes from heaven. God is the one who puts one king down and lifts another king up. Heaven is in the north. It's in the north. So what is heaven like? Well, we've read in Revelation 21 and 22, it's a beautiful place. We're not going to go back through that right now. But I think it's very significant that heaven is a beautiful place. That beautiful city of gold and 1,500 miles wide and long and high and, and those, those 12 gates, three on each side, north, south, east, and west. It's going to be a beautiful place with 12 different colors of the foundations. But you know what? Heaven is a place of rest. Look with me, if you would, to Revelation 14 and verse number 13. Revelation chapter 14 and verse number 13. You know, down here we are so busy. 
And hopefully we're busy serving the Lord because that's really what matters in this world is serving the Lord, living for God. And in Revelation chapter 14 and verse 13, we find these words, And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. Folks, you know what? When we die, we rest from our labors. We're not, not laboring anymore down here. Our work down here is done. But our works do follow them. You say, Pastor, what are they talking about? Their works do follow them. Oh, the people that you've witnessed to, the people you've told about Christ, the people you've prayed for, many times the answer of that prayer comes after you've gone to be with the Lord. Some people, they've, they uh, got saved and they asked Jesus to be their Savior, led nobody to Christ while they were living. Maybe they didn't know how to. But you know what? At their funeral, the gospel is presented. And because of that situation, people get saved. Their works, their labors, they've been maybe witnessing the best that they could, but may I, may I share with you that God uses that as an opportunity to, to spread the gospel. Praise God. Their works do follow, and people get saved as a result. Say, Pastor, I just, I've been trying to witness to these people. They just won't listen. But you know what? Sometimes people will listen at your, at your funeral. It's a wake-up call for them. Their works do follow them. Look at Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 9. Hebrews 4 and verse number 9. Hebrews 4 and verse number 9. It says, There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that entereth into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. May I share with you, you say, well, pastor, we might have to labor in, or to, uh, to have salvation. No, no, no. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. God's salvation is not by our works. It's by trusting, by our faith, putting the Lord Jesus Christ. But after we're saved, we are to labor to enter into that rest which God has provided and has promised us of going to heaven. We're to labor. That's what he's saying, that we should labor to enter into that rest. Oh, sometimes, you know what? We get tired laboring for the Lord. Sometimes, you know, driving bus. Uh, Brother Eric's getting broke in on that. Uh, learn how to, how to do that. You know what? You labor, and, and uh, Tammy and Jeff have done that and, and been laboring to, to do and work and labor for God. Well, one day... That's all going to be done. There's no, not going to be any more bus driving for you, brother. Hey, uh, ladies that cook the food over there for the kids, there's coming a time when it's going to be all done. Praise the Lord. You'll cook your last meal. But you know what? Those young lives will know that somebody cared about them. And when you do that, when you're cooking those meals, can I tell you something? You're doing it as unto the Lord. There's going to be rewards. And you're laboring here that, to enter into that rest. And the young people can't say, well, you know what? Nobody cared for me at Galilee Baptist Church. Nobody, nobody uh, cared to meet my needs. Oh, yes, we have. To not only give them physical needs, but spiritual needs, which are far, more gra uh, far greater. J. Vernon McGee said, let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. Some 
Someone will say, do I labor to enter into rest? Yes, my friend. This is a sort of like the Irishman who had said he intended to have peace in his home even if he had to fight for it. Fighting for peace? Yes. I wish America had learned that lesson. May I say to you, you must win a war before you can have peace. You have to have a victory before you can have peace. He says here, let us labor in order to rest. After all, when you have worked at something and come to the end of the day and sit down, isn't there a, a satisfaction in what you have done? Oh, today we need to lay hold of God, to lay hold of God in, uh, in prayer and in faith and to be used of him. Oh, my Christian friend, let us labor toward that end. Folks, there is a battle raging today. And we must labor that we enter into that rest. May I share with you that heaven is a place where we can, we shall see our loved ones again. And they'll know us. And we'll know them. People say, well, will we really know them? Well, look with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 13 and verse 28. Luke 13, verse 28. Will I know my loved ones? Will, it, will I know who they are? Well, Luke chapter 13, verse 28, look what it says. Jesus, here in this portion of Scripture, look what he says regarding this. And he's talking here to... Some people, in the, let's go back to verse 23. It says, Then said one, one unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? Good question. Are there few that be saved? And he said unto them, Strive ye to enter in at the straight gate, for many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in, and shall not be able to. And shall not be able. When once the master of the house is risen up, and hath shut uh, shut the door, and ye began to stand without and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. And he shall answer and say unto you, I know ye, I know ye not whence ye are. Then shall ye begin to say, We have eaten and drunk in your presence, and, and thou hast taught in our streets. But he shall say, I tell you, I know you not whence ye are. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Notice, when ye shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and ye yourselves, what? Thrust out. Folks, we're going to see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. We're going to see Paul. We're going to know who he is. We're going to see John the Apostle. We're going to see, I said Jesus. We're going to see Noah, Methuselah, Enoch. And we're going to know who they are. Go to Matthew chapter 17. Another example of this. Matthew chapter number 17. The best is yet to come. See, Pastor, I'd sure like to ask Noah how it was to be on that boat for a, uh, for a, a year with all those animals. How in the world did he do all that? Well, that could be your question to ask Noah at that time. I know that out there in uh, uh, the ark, I'm trying to remember where it's at. The, Kentucky? 
Kentucky, out, out in Kentucky, and they have an idea, well, they kind of put it together to, that all those animals could be in that ark, and, and all the animals that we have uh, that are on, on land and so forth, they didn't carry fish in the ark, okay? Didn't need to. The fish already had their home. It was already there. They had plenty of it. And, uh, but the, the animals that were on there, and, and you know what? The insects had to be on there, too. Because they, you know, how many have had spiders? I mean, the spiders would have all been killed by the flood. Except that there were spiders. That, could you imagine walking through the ark? There's a spider hanging right there. There's a tarantula over here. And mama and papa tarantula over here. And, and all these different types of spiders. All that stuff was on, the, was on the ark had to. Because otherwise it was all dead. And we come here in this portion in Matthew chapter 17. And it says, now after six days, Jesus taketh Peter and James and John, his brother, and bringeth them up to the high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. His face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias, or Elijah, talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Now, wait a minute. Peter is with, on the Mount of Transfiguration, and he sees Moses and Elijah. It is about 4,000 years or so before these, some of these people were born or, or, or alive. How did he know? God enabled them to understand and see and to know those people. Look at one other verse, if you would. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Oh, 1 Corinthians 13 is a great, great portion of Scripture. It's called the love chapter. It talks about love and having love one for another. And as you read through it, the word charity is the Greek word agape, and it means love. You want to see if you have the right type of love? Well, check it out in, in chapter 13. It gives you some of the definite, some of the um, how love behaves itself and so forth. But go down to verse number 11. It says, When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away what? Childish things. You know, you start off as a child. When you get a little bit older, you're supposed to grow up. Amen? That's what he says. When I was a child, I thought as a child. That was normal. Xander thinks as a child. And, uh, but you know, he's got some spiritual insight, that little boy does. Uh, you know, these children, they do. Um, <laughs> now, remember we were talking about going to heaven. And Xander came up with this, I think it was with uh, Amanda, told how we're going to get to heaven. The Lord's going to create a big swing set, and we're all going to go to heaven. He's going to, and we're going to be swinging us up to heaven. <laughs> Interesting, that's, I told you people have different ideas on how we get there. <laughs> so here he says, when I was a child, I thought, it, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, uh, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. As a mature person, you're supposed to put away childish things. If I were set up here and stuck, sucked my thumb, you say, Pastor, what's the matter with you? Well, I just want to suck my thumb. I don't, I don't, know, I don't know what to do. Folks, Put away childish things. Let's grow up and act like a mature, a mature adult. That's what he's saying here. Notice what he goes on to say. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. God says, 
we see through a glass darkly. We're talking about, have you ever seen a glass like these windows and, and they get all smudged with dirt and you kind of see through it, but it so has so much dirt on it you can't see clearly? That's the idea. You see through a glass. We see up into heaven, and we see through it kind of like a glass that's dark, that's all got dirt on it, and you can see, you can see some images and stuff. But one day, we're not going to be talking about the street of gold. We're going to see the street of gold. Amen. We're going to see the river of life flowing from the throne of God. We're going to see the tree of life. John saw those things and told us the best is yet to come, folks. You can't even imagine how beautiful heaven is. Heaven is our, that place called New Jerusalem is our home. And we're going there. We see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Notice, now we know in part, but then shall I know. Notice, even as also I am what? Known. I'm going to know as I'm known. I'm going to know some people that I've never met before. I'm going to know the believers around the world that I've never met. What a time of rejoicing that's going to be. Hey, the people that, that you've led to Christ or you've given the gospel, and maybe, like I said, it's taken some time, and, and you gave the gospel, but you, you lost contact with those people, and all of a sudden God has brought all sorts of other people in, in their life, and they receive Jesus Christ, and one day when we're in heaven, that person comes say, hey, you know what? You told me about the gospel. You remember that? We're going to know even as we're known. That's going to be an awesome time. You say, well, I hope people remember me. Hey, we'll know as we're known. Praise God. F.B. Meyer, the old-time preacher, said, uh, knew that, uh, that the Lord was about to take him home, and he asked for a, a piece of paper and pencil, and he wrote the following note to his wife. He says, To my surprise, I have just been told that my days and my hours are numbered. It may be that before this reaches you, I shall have gone into the palace of the king. Do not trouble to write. We shall meet in the morning. That's pretty exciting. You know, for the believer in Jesus, the best is yet to come. We have a home awaiting us in heaven. Heaven is a real place. Are you looking forward to your new home? Perhaps you're not sure that you're going to heaven. But you can settle that decision by asking Jesus Christ to be your Savior. You don't have to fear. The Bible says perfect love casts out fear. When we come and we receive Jesus, uh, no one ever loved you and cared for you like Jesus did. He gave his life that you might go and be with him in heaven one day. That you'd have your sins forgiven. May I share with you, receiving Christ is the greatest decision you can ever make. Why not receive him tonight if you've never done that? But Christian, can I tell you something? Let's get our eyes off of this down here and focus there. You say, well, Pastor, if we're, I've heard, you know, if we're heavenly minded, there are some people that are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. Well, can I tell you something? When you get the perspective that that's our home, it'll help you to understand that there are people down here that you want to take with you. That you want to take with you. You don't want to leave them behind. You know what awaits them. Wouldn't it be great to have a, some folk go with you to heaven because you've witnessed to them? 
say, well, I'm kind of shy, Pastor. I don't know. You know what? God can give you boldness to witness. Well, quit giving excuses to God. Just say, God, give me boldness to speak and share the gospel with others. Help me take somebody to heaven with me and see what God will do. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time in your word tonight. How wonderful it is to be able to know that heaven is our home one day. To have that confidence, to have that assurance. Lord, we know that, that you promised it and you are a God who cannot lie. The best is yet to come. Lord, sometimes we think that this is this is the best we'll ever see. No, this can't even compare with what we, ha what we have in store if we know Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed, we want to give you an opportunity tonight to receive Jesus as your Savior if you've never done that. You've never asked Jesus to come into your heart. God says you're a sinner. Romans 3.23, 3, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus died to pay your sin debt. 